0: So anyway, living with inheritance in mind, Numbers 27, 1 through 7, the Bible says, Then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the sons of Hefer, sons of, uh, <laughs> that's funny, son of Gilead, son of Macher, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The name of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah, And they stood before Moses and before Eliezer the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad, right, you shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. So, kind of an introduction. Over 400 years prior, God had made a promise to a man named Abram, who changed his name to Abraham, that he was going to give him the land that he was presently trekking through by faith 400 years prior. Abraham believed God, walked through the land, And in keeping with what God told him, four centuries later, God was faithful to his promise. He sent a man named Moses to bring them out of Egypt and bring them into the land that he had promised to Abraham. So that being the introduction, let's start looking at at this text a little bit more. So first point we want to look at, a census for inheritance. So the people of God, after they tried to go in the first time, God was trying to lead them in. They didn't believe God, so they didn't believe God. So what happened? They were doomed to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that previous generation died out. But there was another generation coming up. And now here they were back again. And uh, they were about to come into the Promised Land. They were camping on the other side of the Jordan River. And God told Moses to take a census. They were going to go and count and register all the people who were present in the camp and write down their family names. Uh, numbers 26 1 through 4 after the plague the Lord said to Moses and to Eliezer uh, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel from 20 years old and upward by their father's houses in all Israel who are able to go to war and Moses and Eliezer the priest spoke with them in the plains of Moab by the Jordan of Jericho saying take a census of the people from 20 years old and upward as the Lord commanded Moses now you have to remember that the people who originally came out of Egypt were no longer a part of of the, uh, um, uh, were uh, no longer a part of the camp that is presently uh, uh, camp before the Jordan River, about to go into the Promised Land. They had all died out. The first time around, on the edge of the Promised Land, as we said before, they didn't believe God. They spent the next forty years in the wilderness, and it says in Numbers uh, fourteen. 34 through 45 according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land forty days a year for each day you shall bear your iniquity forty years and you shall know my displeasure I the Lord have spoken surely this will I do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness they shall come to a full end and there they shall die so now we got the next generation and we have a census being taken what was the purpose for the sentence uh, for the census, numbers 26,52 through 56, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Among these, the land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe, you shall give a large inheritance. To a small tribe, you shall give a small inheritance. Every tribe shall be given its inheritance in proportion to its list. But the land shall be divided by law. According to the names of the tribes of their fathers they shall inherit, Their inheritance shall be divided according to Lot between the larger and the smaller. Now, I'm not going there today, but it's interesting to me that uh, I want you to see how God works. They have not yet gone into the promised land, but they're already dividing it up. Now, I know we're Christians, and we don't really... Play, play the lottery, but have you ever thought to yourself, man, if I won $10 million, this is what I'd do, and you've already bought a house, a boat, your friend's a house, all these kind of, you've already, that's what they're doing, but they're not doing it just dreaming, they're doing it because God said it, and so they're actually taking steps in agreement with what God said was about to take place, but it hadn't happened yet. God's purpose in having the people counted and registered was for the purpose of distributing the land that was being given to each and every one of them as part of their God-given inheritance so for the most part this was a time of great jubilation everybody's being happy everybody's uh, excited because they're getting an inheritance remember they were slaves they had nothing and now they're being given land And land is important however for one particular family, there was a problem. Numbers twenty six thirty three through 34, it says, Zelophehad, the son of Hafer, had no sons. He had daughters, but he had no sons. And the names of the daughters of Zelophehad were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Melch, and Terza. These are the clans of Manasseh, and those listed were 52,700. By the way, next time you're looking for names to name your grandchildren, yeah. I'm telling you right there. So, second point we want to look at is standing up for inheritance. So the daughters of Zelophehad were in a dilemma. They were part of the people of God, and they, as part of God's people, should have been receiving an inheritance as well. But the problem was the sentence was reflecting the way society was structured and ordered at the time, and it was through the mail that the census was registered and through whom the inheritance of land would be distributed so since there was no males in the family because their father had died and they had no brothers they were in a pickle or if you don't like that word they were they were in a in a quandary right so what did they do oh I guess we're not having anything I guess God's not going to give us anything you know how life is oh you know God's not always they say he's good but he's not really good you know they could have done that but that's not what they did what did they do they approached Moses with their problem what was the problem they stood before Moses numbers 27 1 through 5 and before Eleazar the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation saying our father died in the wilderness he was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah but he died for his own sin and he had no sons why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son give to us a possession among our father's brothers and so Moses heard what they said, the gist of it, and brought their case before the Lord. Moses, hearing their situation, brought the matter before the Lord, and God gave them an answer to the problem that was before them. It says, uh, uh, the second uh, letter B under this point is, number, is the solution. The Lord said to Moses, Numbers 27, 6-11, through 11, the daughters of Zelophehad had a right. Now imagine that. Imagine if they had not done anything you know what they would have got nothing. nothing but then it's scary though you know to go before something and claim something that you know you should be yours but maybe there's nothing in the protocol nothing in the culture there's nothing already there but you know it's yours you know that this is a good thing but there's nothing written yet but these daughters were willing to do that that's just something about them, right and then, and then the Lord says to Moses, You shall give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, you shall give his inheritance to his brothers And if he has no brothers, you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan. And he shall possess it, and it shall be for the people of Israel Israel, a statute and a rule as the Lord commanded Moses. So what I want us to see with the daughters of Zelophehad is that they understood that they were part of the camp. And they understood that they also were part of God's promised inheritance and they were unwilling to let the promise pass them by because they weren't called out. It reminds me even though we're not there, it reminds me of when Jesus was walking on the earth. And you know, we like it, I like it when somebody says, "Hey, there's somebody over there. You got a problem with this?" somebody over there you got a problem with that and I would imagine Jesus did some of that as well right but what about the ones that Jesus was in the vicinity but he wasn't calling them out they could have said well I guess Jesus doesn't want to heal me or I guess Jesus uh, uh, you know is too busy for me or maybe there's somebody else that's more important than I am but imagine the, the blind man that heard Jesus was passing by, and he was about to pass them by, and what did they say? Jesus, yeah. son of David, have mercy on me, yeah. and they kept crying out until Jesus said to his disciples, call them to me, yeah. and then when they got to him, he said, what would you want me to do for you? He said, we want to see, and he said, let it be done according to your faith, yeah. or how about we, we did it this summer, a little earlier in the summer, we saw the the third season of um, the chosen and in that third season of the chosen you have that scene where Jesus is walking through a crowd uh, through one of the cities and everybody's congregating around them they're excited because Jesus is in their midst they're all touching him but somewhere there's this woman that heard about Jesus but she can't get close to him because she's, she's bleeding. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and, and it's against the culture. It's against. But she knows who Jesus is. She knows what Jesus can do. And something inside of her says, I, I, I know that Jesus would heal me too. I know Jesus, but he's not yeah. calling me out. He's not calling me to him. And so you know what she did? She says, I'm going to go against The protocol that's in place, but it's not the protocol of God. It's just the protocol that's in place because I gotta get to Jesus. And if He can just see something inside of you, has gotta say, "I." I, That belongs to me. That's my promised inheritance. That's and we're talking about all the promises of God. God said to us, "They are yes," but it's waiting for us to stand up and say, "Amen." And so sometimes, well, if Jesus knows where I'm at, Jesus knows where I'm going. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. But sometimes there's that need to push through the crowd and present your case and say, what about me? How about the woman that, that, that had a legal right, but there was an unjust judge, right? And so what happened? The unjust judge... Um, the unjust judge was uh, in a position where he didn't want to do something for that woman he said I don't want to be bothered by her so what ended up happening she uh, uh, she went every day and she said I want justice and he said I'm not going to give you justice he (laughs) didn't say that his interpretation I want justice. so she went every day I need justice my justice is my right. Justice was what God would do, but he was an unjust judge. Finally, he said, "Man, you know I 'm not afraid of her, I 'm not worried about anything else, but this woman is pestering me, and if I don 't do what she asks, she 's going to make me miserable." And so he gave her what she wanted. But then you said, "Well, is that what God's like? No. See, the, the point is, if someone that is an unjust judge can be brought. To a place where they do what's right imagine with god who is a just judge he is a good judge imagine how much more he wants to do for someone that will say lord what about me yeah. you see the scripture says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you but it's more than that it's actually ask and keep on asking. Gotcha. Seek and keep on seeking. Yeah. Knock and keep on knocking. Well, how long do I do that? Until you get your answer. Hallelujah. Until Hallelujah. Jesus turns around and says, I see you. Yeah. What would you want me to do for you? Yeah. Uh, Oh, nothing, Lord. It's just its so good that you look at me. Well, that's good. I do. I mean, I'm telling you, I want the Lord to look at me. I want that. But I want an answer to my prayer as well. I'm a child of God. And, and healing is the children's bread, right? And so I'm, I'm going to continue to ask the Lord. I'm going to continue to believe God until he turns around and says, All right, you got my attention. What do you want? It's, I want to be made whole. Because that's my promise. I want to be made whole. And you know what did Jesus say to the blind man? He said, let it be done according to your faith. And you know what happened? Poop! They were able to see. Right? And so sometimes that's what's happening with Zelophe's daughter. They just understood, this is our inheritance too. And I'm not willing to let it pass by. And in the same way, me must understand that God's promises are all available to every one of us as I quoted before, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, and that is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Amen is not just a uh, a congregational response to something that's been said. Amen biblically actually means, so be it, I come into agreement with that. All the promises of God Well, maybe they're not for me. No, they're all yes. So what does it require of us that we say amen, that we come into agreement with what God has already said is yes. However, not all the promises of God are automatically applied to all of us in life. In order to experience his promises, we must, according to this verse, add our amen to that. That is, we must acknowledge the promises for our lives and then believe them and act upon them in faith in order to receive them. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is. Not it was. There's a lot of people today who are saying it was. But it's not for today. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is the power of God for salvation. That word salvation, sometimes we limit that word salvation to making sure that you're okay and you're going to go to heaven when you die. It means that, but it means much more than that. Salvation means wholeness, spirit, soul, body. At the cross of Calvary, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, is God's power made available for the wholeness of who? Everyone and anyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek in that time it meant to everyone in the world there was the Jews and there was everybody else and that's what it meant to the whole entire world if you will believe all things are possible to those who believe Romans 10 17 faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ why do we keep talking about uh, uh, how what God does, what God has done, what God wants to do, what are His promises because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Sometimes we've got some things in our knower that we don't need to be knowing anymore that keep us from understanding God's good good and precious promises and God's will for our lives and we got to not conform to what we know but we got to be transformed to what He says so that we can begin to Believe God for what his promises make available to us. James 2, 17 and 18. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now that's important to us because in our culture, uh, uh, faith is giving mental assent to something. In other words, I, I've i heard it, I acknowledge it, therefore I have faith. But in biblical culture, if you don't put feet to what you mentally acknowledge it's not faith. Your actions have to match up with what you believe, right? I'm a Christian. I've given my life to the Lord. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new unless I go to work, and then when I go to work, I cuss like a sailor, I drink, I smoke, I go to the clubs. But when I go to church. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, as I go out of here, and then when I go out of here, I go sleep around. I, I live with somebody, and, and you know, uh, and I'm not married to them. And I, I, I do drugs, and I do all this kind of stuff. But when I come to church, it's okay. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All, see, you've you got the verse memorized, but you're not putting feet to it. You've got to act on it. It's got to change the way you live, not just change what you know. I, I don't do that anymore. Well, I'm a new creation. What's wrong with you? You don't. And people will try to talk you all out of what God's word says, and then the world will try to tell you how foolish it is to do what the word of God says, but you know in your knower that what God says is true, and so you start living and acting based on what God says and not what the world is trying to tell you. Am I making sense to you? Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by the way that I live, by the works that I do. Zelophehad's daughters stood up and they received the promise for themselves. And that brings us to our third point living with inheritance. You would think that now that the daughters of Zelophehad got their inheritance, everything was solved. No, living with inheritance would require that the daughters who received them live a certain way in order to retain their inheritance. Here's the problem. So in Numbers 36, which is a couple of chapters later, it says, The heads of the fathers' houses of the clan of the people of Gilead, the son of Manasseh, so basically the people that they they belong to they said in verse 2 the Lord commanded my Lord to give the land for the inheritance by lot to the people of Israel and my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brothers to his daughters but if they're married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the people of Israel then their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of our fathers and added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry in other words he said our clan see every clan every tribe was given an inheritance but if they didn't address this what they were saying is that okay so if you give the daughters land and they marry somebody from another tribe then you know somebody that's pretty astute they can take away all our land and that tribe can become a lot bigger then pretty soon we are left with nothing yeah. does that make sense to you what I'm saying yeah. okay so um, uh, but uh, so it will be taken away from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the people of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe in which they marry, and their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. And Moses commanded the people of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying the tribe of the people of Joseph is right. I, I don't know. I, I, see, it used to be a time in my life and I said, well, why didn't God tell him this? God knew everything. Does God know everything? Yeah. Can God work everything out? You think in advance he could write all this stuff down? Of course. He wrote it down. Well, why didn't he tell them before this came up? Because God wants to interact with his people. And that's part of what faith is. It's Walking with God and learning the nature of God and God will allow things in our life so that we can begin to realize that ain't right or this is right or I need to do this or I need... He doesn't just come and tell you this is it, this is it, this is it. You know, there's some people that they want to live a a legal, law-filled life. Now, there is principles in the Word of God. God's Word is true. We're not to violate those principles, but there's a lot of freedom in the garden right but also there's a lot of things that god hasn't revealed to us that god hasn't necessarily set things in stone yet in our lives that he wants us to come and he wants us to interact, he wants us to talk, he wants us to stand, he wants us to to believe God for things that may not necessarily have said, you know, uh, I'm going to make you this and this and this company over there, but you know the promises of God, you know what he said, and you can, Lord, this is what I'd like to do, you know, this is how I'd like to live my life, this is what I believe you're calling me to do, and you might find that God says, yes, I've been waiting for you to come and talk to me about He doesn't just spell everything out in your life. He leaves room for us to grow in him, right? This is the word of God, but it's interesting that the word of God is not just prescriptive, prescriptive, prescriptive. You're going to get up in the morning, you need to brush your teeth seven times, right? Three up, four down. He doesn't do that. But some people, that's what they want in life, right? Anyway, let's move on okay so the leaders of the tribe realized that if the daughters married someone from another tribe the inheritance of the tribe the land would go with them so what was the solution once again there's a need to go before the Lord and ask his counsel for the situation they were facing it didn't take long for God to reply and this is what he commanded them to do numbers 36 6-12 through 12. this is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad: let them marry whom they think best only they shall marry within the clan of the tribe of their father the inheritance of the people of Israel shall not be transferred from one tribe to another for every one of the people of Israel shall hold on to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers now how do you know that god and god's kingdom and god's purposes are bigger than us right and so god gives us a lot of freedom but he also has a purpose and a plan in mind And whether we like it or not he does bring some restrictions in our life and that's where people have a problem particularly in our culture today where basically if you feel like doing it go ahead and do it it's valid everything if if you feel it it's good that's really what our culture is today I feel I'm a man but someone say well I don't feel like I'm a man I feel like I'm a woman so therefore I am right and my position is well you can be whatever you want but don't draw me into your virtual reality. Yeah. You want to live a deluded virtual lifestyle, you're welcome to do that, but I'm not going in there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the problem I have. The problem I have is that if I don't join them in their delusion, then in their mind, I'm delusional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm I going to do that. How do I get off on that? How did I get off? Oh, okay, I was trying to figure out how I got, got down that road. There are restrictions. There are things that God wants us to do in life, but there may be some other things that are overarching that will also guide us in life. In this particular instance, marry whoever you want, but marry people only within your tribe. But I don't love anybody within my tribe. I love somebody outside of my tribe. I love somebody over there, you know? Well, if you want to keep your inheritance, this is what you got to do. Well, I want my inheritance, and I want to do whatever I want. Isn't that really what people are saying today? I want to go to heaven, and I I want to do whatever I want. Why can't I be a homosexual and go to heaven? Why can't I live with somebody that I love and not get married and still have every right to go to heaven? Why can't I live in what you call sin, in in, in whatever case may be, and go to heaven? Well, because there are certain restrictions and boundaries that God has given us. And you can do whatever. Now, let me me just get this straight. You are free to do whatever you want, right? But even in the natural realm, even in the world that we live in, if you feel like killing somebody, you're going to go to jail if you do it. And so we say, well, you know what, you can identify as a murderer, that's fine, but you're going to end up in jail. Right? There are restrictions that society puts on for the benefit of the whole. God's restrictions in life are not for your detriment, they're for your benefit. And if it's not only for your benefit, it's for the benefit of all. And so we've got to learn how to submit to God's boundaries we got to learn how to submit to God's directions in life we've got to learn how to do what God is leading us to do even though I may want to do something else it reminds me of Paul Paul had a desire his heart was to reach the Jews he he just couldn't stop thinking about it. he couldn't stop going to the Jews first but God didn't send them to the Jews God sent him to the Gentiles well God always gives you the desires of the heart well not always Sometimes our hearts are not in the right place. And sometimes you've got to crucify your flesh. I, I've told you my issue, my issue was I, I want it to be anywhere but here. And it's not because there was anything wrong with here, but it's because I was born here, and 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 I wanted to to travel. I wanted to go different places. I wanted to do that. But the Lord didn't send me to different places. He sent me here. So I have to learn. I had to learn how to crucify what I wanted to submit to what God wanted. And in the long run, as I come under His boundaries and restrictions it worked out what's best for me it works out to be what's best for me it works out to be what's best for you because it's in the place of God's plan I don't want to be here I don't want to marry them you're gonna have to deal with that well God will always give me what I want no he won't (laughs) Amen. There's a lot of things. I'm glad as we get older in life, thank you for not answering that prayer, God. Just scrap that prayer. So anyway, the inheritance of the people shall not be transferred. Every daughter who possesses an inheritance in any of the, tribe of the uh, uh, people of, of Israel shall be wife to one of the clam of the tribe of her father, so that every one of the people of Israel may possess the inheritance of his fathers. So no inheritance shall be transferred from one tribe to another, for each of the tribes of the people of Israel shall hold on to its own inheritance. The daughters of, of, of Zelophehad, this is what's cool, did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, how many of them, they could have said, well, he didn't talk to me about it. He didn't tell me about it. But he told Moses. There was one time in the book of Jeremiah, there was these people that came to Jeremiah. And um, they said, we want you to pray about something. He said, and we will do whatever the Lord tells you. And if the Lord tells us that we're supposed to stay in the land, we'll stay in the land. If the Lord tells us we're supposed to leave, we'll leave. Jeremiah says, okay, I'll pray it. And the Lord took his sweet time. The Lord could answer right away, but this time he didn't answer right away. Why didn't he answer right away? Because if you understood the context, what they really wanted to do started to come out. They didn't want to stay in the land, they wanted to go to Egypt. So, 10 days later, after they made up their mind they wanted to go to Egypt, that's when the prophet comes and says, Stay in the land. And they said, You're lying! Your are your, you're, put you up to that. Baruch told you to do that. <coughs> but no, God said to do that. But the bottom line was they were, they had made, they, they had feigned that they were going to do whatever the Lord wanted. But they didn't do whatever God wanted. They did what they wanted. And you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we make our wants God's wants. I know this is what you want for me, Lord. I know it. I know this is what you call me to. I know this, you know. And you can convince yourself that this is exactly what God wants for you, and God may not be anywhere near that. Well, why did you let me do it? Well, you didn't give him a chance to tell you otherwise. Or if somebody came along and did tell you the opposite, you said, That ain't God. Listen, I've been there. You ever been there? I've been there. You know? So anyway, God's solution was for the daughters to marry within the tribe. They could marry any man they wanted, but it had to be within the tribe. And the reason, again, was because of their inheritance. To be, to me, that translates to they had to learn how to live with God's purposes and God's destiny for their lives in view. His greater purposes are to have an impact on how we live today. I always, I always just say that this way when I would counsel people. I'd say, they'd say, uh, well, I'm trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. I got, they might say something like this. I got an offer to go work in another company over here, and it pays a lot more money, and, you know, I, I, I'm thinking the Lord may be in it, but, you know, I want to pray about it, you know. Okay. I said, but I try to tell them this. I said, look, I would rather be in the desert under the cloud than in the most beautiful land there was and God not be anywhere near it. I would rather take a lower-paying job where I knew God was in it than to go somewhere that paid a whole lot more and God went anywhere near it. You see, we 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 always think that our prosperity is going to be more at the moment, but we don't always know. I would I would tell them, what happens if you move over there? And we've had people actually just, oh, I got offered this, and they moved and they got over there and they couldn't find a church. For months, months, even years, they couldn't find a church. And they come back to me and said, I shouldn't have done that. Well, why'd you do it? It's a good opportunity. but well, not every good opportunity is a God opportunity. That's it. That's it. You've got to learn how to follow the Lord. And the Lord's uh, 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 purposes for you are sometimes don't touch that apple. But it looks good, it looks appealing, it's I can have more stuff, no, Don't touch that apple. It ain't good for you. And we can convince ourselves that God wants us because there's an enemy there at once. But bottom line is, you're you're in the wrong place. I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to be under the the auspices of God. I want to do what God wants for my life and if God says I need to be here but I want to go over there over there can look a lot more appealing it might have more stuff on the long run but let's say you move to a let's say you move to a new job that pays ten dollars more an hour you know but when you get there what they didn't tell you is that within three months they were going to be selling to another company, and they were going to be cutting back on jobs. And whereas in this job, you weren't making as much, but you had a good retirement, you had a good plan. But that ten dollars an hour looked pretty good. You get over there, but three months later, you have no job. Well, I didn't know that. No, you didn't know that. But God knew that. And so we have to learn how to listen to the voice of God. Am I making sense to you? Uh, I know I'm going off a little bit on a tangent, but I hope it helps you. Anyway, so in conclusion, what what really speaks to me in this passage is that these daughters did what the Lord commanded through Moses. They married within the tribe, and not only did they have families, but they continued to possess the promised inheritance of God because they made choices with their inheritance in mind. The kingdom of God becomes my driving force. I begin to make choices, but what is best according to God's desire, according to what will benefit the kingdom. Because I don't live on my own. I live in a greater context. Numbers 36, 10 through 12, the daughters of Zelophehad did as the Lord commanded for, for, and again, write these down because you're going to want to give these and pitch these to your children whenever they want to have grandkids, Mala, Terza, Hogla, Milka, Noah. <laughs> the daughters of Zelophehad were married to sons of their father's brothers. They were married in the clans of the people of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's clan. What an inspiring story that should encourage us to live for God and to do as will. Our present choices should be guided by God's eternal word in which are contained the eternal and benevolent promises of God for his people. Second Timothy 3:16 through 17 says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. If we choose to live with them in mind, it's my contention that we can also experience the power, grace, and the blessings of God in and through our lives and see them passed on to our descendants as well. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, the key for us is that to experience it, we must hear it and give heed to it. Matthew seven twenty four. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the winds came and the floods blew, you know, all these kind of things and stood. But the one who heard the word of God and did not do them is like a man who built his house upon the sand. You know what a sand is? Little pieces of rock. Pick a truth here, pick a truth there, here a truth, there a truth, everywhere a truth, truth. Did we not do this? Did we not do that? But I never knew you. It's living with eternity in mind.